This is a different kind of podcast. I'm a different kind of nurse and a different kind of doula. Hey there, my name is Ali McLean and I want to welcome you to the Empowered Birth Podcast. My mission here is to encourage you to strive for the best birth experience possible, knowing full well birth is unpredictable, but also knowing that you are powerful and you are able to make the best decisions for you. You're going to get information you won't hear in your basic childbirth education class, as well as stories of women and birth professionals who are stepping into their power and birthing their way. You're going to get all the information you need to confidently navigate your journey from pregnancy to postpartum. This podcast is for the woman who is wanting a natural childbirth, but feeling unsure in her ability to. She doesn't know her options and she's feeling overwhelmed, looking for a guide. Is this you? Then stick around. You're exactly where you should be. Hi y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast. I've taken a little bit of a break from doing these episodes just to think and prepare for my upcoming birth. Today I'm 36 weeks and feeling the need to hibernate until the baby comes. I've been doing all the things to prepare, like painting my room and the bathroom and my daughter's room. Uh, I've organized everything. I set up my birth car and I've made meals. And one of the things that comes up for me every time that I'm talking to someone about their plans for birth or as I get near to my own birth is trauma. And this has been on my mind as I'm taking a certification course on how to be a trauma-informed professional. And I've learned a lot. I've reflected a lot. And as I have been doing this, I've wanted to share some things about birth trauma specifically with you that I hope you all find helpful. So whether you have experienced birth trauma in the past or are wanting to avoid trauma for future births, This episode is for you. I will give you a disclaimer, though, that if you are close to having a baby, this may not be the best time to listen if you are easily triggered. I have been going through this course extremely slowly. I have spent a lot of time processing and journaling my reflections, so it's not been easy, but it's been good. So first off, let's define birth trauma. Trauma seems to be more of a matter of perception than it is of an emergent situation. So the strongest predictor of developing birth-related PTSD is the interpersonal difficulties with care providers, in particular a lack of support, and that's by a study from Harrison Ayers in 2012. Now thinking back to how I interpreted my first birth experience, I can definitely see where lack of support was a major factor in causing trauma. I had seen my doctor maybe two to three times during my pregnancy, and it was about like five to 10 minutes for each visit. I did see her PA a lot. And when I was in labor, I maybe saw her five minutes before she did a C-section. So I really didn't have much of a relationship with her at all. I did not feel supported by her whatsoever. And then my postpartum nurse was so not empathetic, like at all to my situation. She didn't believe that I was in so much pain. It was just 
a very cold experience. I didn't feel like she was helpful or she was supportive in the least. Actually, it was very terrible. It took me a while of processing to realize that someone could have the same exact experience as me yet feel totally different about it. And I could never understand why really until going through this course and realizing that the lack of support is key in how someone processes their birth experience. So some things I've heard women express as traumatic are feeling powerless during a procedure, during her labor, just kind of feeling out of control, a lack of information. So if something happens and you weren't really informed about it beforehand. Again, that just goes back to the feeling out of control, the experience of physical pain and pain not being addressed in the way that the patient perceives necessary, a perceived unsympathetic attitude on the part of the examiner. And that was definitely more like my postpartum experience a lack of clearly understood consent by the patient for the procedure is so sad when that happens, but it's not abnormal for a patient to go into the hospital and have something happen that they didn't really give true informed consent about. I found this study interesting. In Sweden, this was done by writing Wima in 1998. 53 people were interviewed two days after an emergency C-section. And in general, all the participants felt that they had gone from feeling confident and safe upon arrival at the hospital to feeling fearful by the time the baby arrived. So 55% experienced intense fear for their own baby or their own life. Most feared for their baby and those who feared for their own life also had very painful labors. 8% were angry that they had been treated badly by the delivery staff and felt helpless and violated. 25% blamed themselves to some extent for the event. The authors concluded that emergency cesarean surgery can qualify as a stressor for trauma and that even when the parent is happy to meet their baby, they can also be dealing with feelings of fear, guilt, and anger. So over on Instagram earlier this week, I asked what caused people to feel traumatized during their birth. And no matter how it turned out, didn't matter. I unfortunately wasn't surprised at the answer that it's something I hear all the time. The majority of women who answered the poll said that they felt violated during their birth. And many women compare what happens during birth as sexual assaults and violations. And I've heard stories of OBs keeping their hand in a woman's vagina. She's yelling at him to stop. I mean, if that doesn't sound like rape, I don't know what does. I've heard of midwives and OBGYNs alike, it didn't matter, giving episiotomies without consent. I've seen women's legs being forced apart when she intuitively wants to close them. The reality is that women are not feeling cared for. They're not feeling respected during this powerful and transformative time in their life. Some other traumatic things that can happen or that can be perceived as traumatic is providers who prioritize their own agenda. So when I was working through my PTSD and anxiety after the traumatic birth, one thing that kept coming up was the fact that my C-section was done the day before Easter. (laughs) There was just something about that. I felt like 
I didn't give true informed consent for really anything that happened that day, mostly because I wasn't informed. I had no idea what to expect. And I just kind of trusted that whatever happened was going to be necessary. But in the moment, I just felt like kind of pushed along in this system. I was convinced that my doctor had Easter dinner plans and wanted to make sure that she was able to make it and be well rested. And it's something that can still get me worked up, honestly, even though I've gone through very intensive work and it's helped me separate the emotions that I had with the memory. And I do feel like I have found freedom from that, which is amazing. So come to find out, this is a common occurrence and trauma for women who birth around the holidays. So it's really interesting to see a chart of when most babies are born. Hint, extremely low numbers of births happen on the holiday itself. Many women find that they are birthing when they coming up. We have Christmas, right? So coming around Christmas and New Year's, more interventions are done and they feel like It's at the convenience of the provider. Another thing that can be perceived as or can cause trauma is lies and threats. But why would a provider lie? They wouldn't do that. (laughs) Let me just tell you, if a woman says that she feels as if her provider lied about the health and wellness of her or her baby and performed an unnecessary intervention, please, please do not respond that way. It happens. It really does. The most common threat that I hear of is that of a dead baby. It truly sickens me how many times I've seen and read stories of inductions happening or C-sections being performed because if a woman chooses not to, then her baby will most likely die. And women fully believe this. They are cornered into complying at risk of losing their baby. And yet something in their intuition tells them it's wrong. It's these same women that will have the hardest time believing something different. If she believes that her doctor lied and had an unnecessary intervention happened against her, her original expectations, how is she going to live with herself for being manipulated? And if this is you, I want you to know it's not your fault. Okay. I've been there. It's not your fault. You don't have to relive that experience. You can trust your body and your intuition, and if you feel like something was off, there's a really good chance that it was. Trust that. It may help to talk to someone who knows the sound of obstetric lies and is able to help you process that. So you can come to a conclusion on your own, and you can find freedom from that. Okay, you made it this far. I am so proud of you for sticking it out because this is some really heavy stuff. And I'm not going to lie, going through this and learning about trauma and nutrition and healing strategies and so much more during pregnancy, it's been so hard. I felt all of the feelings I could have. And I've questioned myself, my experience, my abilities to birth again. This topic really is not easy, but it's what lit a fire and passion under me four years ago to stand by women through this transition, to be an advocate for physiological birth, to enlighten women to the power that they inherently have. And I've healed. I've healed from PTSD, and I truly believe you can too. 
It may take a team of support and a lot of work, but it's so worth it. So, so worth it. I'll never be the same person I was before struggling through PTSD and my traumatic birth experience, but I am honestly thankful for that. (laughs) I'm able to accept what happened and to know that it has been used for good. It wasn't the transformative, joyful, beautiful experience I wanted, but it did change me. And hopefully I can be used to change the culture of birth or at least one person's outlook on what birth is and what it can be. So I want to tell you, if you have experienced trauma, there is hope. There is. So some strategies that I have personally found helpful and that can help you through your journey to healing is first identifying your triggers. Identifying triggers, this is a very important step. It can help you avoid certain situations, but also can help you be resilient and learn some new coping skills if that trigger happens. So my triggers in the beginning were driving past the hospital I delivered at. It was hearing a birth story, especially if it happened at that same hospital. Didn't matter how the birth turned out. Mostly, I guess the biggest trigger was if somebody had a very easy vaginal delivery at that same hospital. Sometimes driving, I would just get flashbacks and have to stop until they pass. And I don't really know what was triggering about driving. I just knew it happened. So yeah, triggers can be location. It can be smells, sounds, stories. So I want you to take some time and consciously pay attention to the times you start feeling out of control or anxious, not able to breathe or just kind of low and depressed. This is going to help you be more aware. And now that you know your triggers and are aware, it's time to help you find some coping skills. So some things I've experienced as being helpful are the deep breathing. So that in through your nose and out through your mouth, just feeling grounded, knowing that I can relax my face and my shoulders and just kind of working my way down my body and telling it to relax. Movement can help. So a lot of people do yoga or dance and that movement can kind of help get that energy out. Showers are an amazing coping method, although You don't always have time to take three showers a day when you're triggered, but (laughs) if you do, it can help kind of soothe that anxious feeling by just consciously feeling that water kind of go down your back. Journaling is always very helpful to kind of get the thoughts and feelings out of your head and onto paper and calling a friend can be very helpful at all as well. That peer support is something I'll talk more about, but very helpful. EMDR, this is another healing strategy. Now, this stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It is psychotherapy for PTSD specifically. It was developed in 1987 with psychologist Dr. Francine Shapiro made a chance observation that eye movement could reduce the intensity of disturbing thoughts, much like there is eye movement during REM sleep. Now, there are many counselors who practice this therapy, and I found it helpful in processing traumatic events. So many women I've spoken with over the years have suggested this as a first line of treatment. And I actually talked 
with Dr. Laura Pryor in episode 29 about EMDR and also brain spotting. So if you want to learn more about that from a licensed therapist, go ahead and go check that episode out. I found it very helpful and informative. Another healing strategy is spirituality and prayer. This is a very important part for my healing. Faith is really important to me and it was so integral in what I did and how I processed. So there was times I was so angry that God would allow something like this to happen to me. I spent a lot of time in prayer and journaling and just reading verses to bring me comfort and and truth. And the cool thing is that prayer isn't just some kind of like woo-woo thing that doesn't really do anything. Prayer meditation influences the area of the brain that's associated with self. So those are the parietal lobes. Now, focus prayer meditation lessen one sense of self by increasing a sense of connectedness to the source of one's spirituality. And this is associated with an improvement in one's ability to perform a variety of tasks with greater pleasure. So prayer and meditation increase the prefrontal cortex and the anterior cingulate. And these areas of the brain are essential for keeping one's attention focused on a task. Prayer and meditation are also effective in helping to reduce pain and lessen the symptoms of depression and anxiety. This is in a study by Newberg and Waldman in 2010. The uh, last healing strategy that is super helpful, especially on my journey, is peer support. And it's a major reason I do what I do. Another huge part was what I got from the peers who had experienced very similar things. They listened and they didn't say things like, well, at least you have a healthy baby. They validated, they didn't minimize my experience. And this was at a time that I just wanted to isolate myself. I found women online who didn't make me feel like I was all alone in this journey. And anytime I found a woman in real life who had gone through a similar situation, I felt like I had found a kindred spirit. Connection and validation, it's so very healing when you have experienced trauma. So if having peer support would be helpful for you, I do encourage you to join our private Facebook group. You can click the link in the description or go type in facebook.com slash groups slash empowered mamas tribe. And I will say that sometimes support doesn't come in the form of supporting practices and and providers that harm and not calling out lies and abuse. So if you want to hear the truth and have your experience of trauma validated or education on how to prevent more trauma, then this group is for you. Go check it out. I want you to know there is hope. And there is healing through birth trauma. So if you are preparing to have a baby and would like to have some extra support as you're either processing past births or wanting to talk through what your expectations are for your birth and maybe some strategies to get there, I'd love to be your guide. So you can actually schedule a 60-minute birth prep session with me by going to bit.ly slash birth prep session. I'm only taking a few more this month as I'm having a baby soon and I won't have availability until the end of February. So schedule now. I hope this episode was helpful for you. No matter where you're at in your journey of pregnancy and postpartum, there is hope. There is. Don't give up. 
Don't lower standards for your birth. If you're feeling a bit drained after this episode, I want you to take a minute, walk outside, take a deep breath of the fresh air in through your nose and out through your mouth. Take a few minutes just to ground yourself. This was not an easy topic. It's just not. (laughs) So if this episode has been helpful, or if any of the other episodes you've listened to on the Empowered Birth Podcast, if they've been helpful to you, would you please take a minute and leave a review? That would be so amazing. And as always, stay empowered. Thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast. I'm so excited to have you a part of the movement. And if you haven't joined our private Facebook tribe yet, go to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Empowered Mamas Tribe. We would love to have you there and a part of our community. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast.